And so we had the full support of the mayor's office and the housing authority and the, you know, the city council. And that's where it comes back to like, if you had that support, you know, they can move mountains for you. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, your win-win maker. And today I've got Evan Holiday, who has a remarkable story. He was doing pre-med he was 18 years old and there was a $50 million development going in at the university. And instead of saying, I want to do that one day, he said, how do I get into that? He said, how do I get into that? So he went and talked to the builder and the builder said, bring some people. He brought a whole bunch of people. So he's actually been in this business now for 10 years doing development and workforce housing. And they utilize tax credits, which is really, really interesting. He's based out of Nashville, and he works in Nashville, New Orleans, Louisiana. And we're going to get into his story. So with that said, Evan, 10 years ago, you asked yourself, how do I get into that? Let's start from there. Yeah, so really it was just kind of, you know, taking a leap of faith of, you know, I, I knew I wanted to do something different. Uh, and I knew I wanted to be a part of something bigger than myself. I wanted to build something. I just was always fascinated with real estate and, and actually building out communities, building out developments. And that's really what got me into it. And so, so really after the groundbreaking, uh, he was, I was the first one to get hired on uh, at that new development and really got to see it. They were, you know, just starting out with the foundation and getting into framing as I started. So I got to see the whole build out. I got to work with, you know, the commercial tenants. I got to work on the leasing side. Uh, I got to lease out 380 units uh, and and really that whole process of being on the ground, uh, you know, in the weeds for everything, dealing with all kinds of crap uh, really taught me a lot about real estate. It also taught me I don't want to be in management. And I was like, I need to be doing what the developer's doing. And so that's when, you know, I, I took a step further and in college actually started with a group. We started a uh, modular housing development company. So uh, back at the University of Louisville, we started a modular housing development company where we use the same layout as a houseboat. And there's actually quite a few houseboat manufacturing plants in Kentucky. So they actually had quite a few 1,100 skilled workers they had to lay off in the housing market crash in 08. And so we're like, well, how can we put those same people back to work and provide you know, good quality, modular, energy efficient, and quick to market housing um, for those who need it. And so we were looking at uh, mixed income. So we had all different types of income ranges all being served by this modular housing. We actually built a few. Uh, and then we were trying to scale it up into larger multifamily developments and find partners. And that's when I came across the group with LDG Development, where I'm at now. And with LDG, that's where you know we do large scale, 200 plus units, uh, workforce and affordable housing. We do mixed income. We do some market rate and we do almost exclusively new construction development. Uh, so really that's what I've been doing for the last five years with LDG and have really just been trying to, you know, scale up what we're doing and, and grow our team and try to make as big an impact and do as many developments and as many positive developments as we can. Good deal. So I bet you your mom was really proud of you when you became a pre-med student. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. 
What happened? <laughs> what happened when you said I'm going to switch? I'm going to switch and do something else. That's a good question. Honestly, I have the most supportive parents that any any kid could ask for, and uh, and I they really supported me 100% whatever I wanted to do, and they knew that you know if if I got my mind on to something, I was gonna you know be the best at it and and push myself to be the best. So you know they didn't have any worry at all when I decided I wanted to switch. They were 100% in as long as I was 100% in. Just curious, um, a, a few people have said that they know that their parents uh, love and support them, and a few people have said that um, that their their parent or even themselves know really well that they are the kind of person that when they take something on, they really go all in and they and they give it their heart and soul. Uh, do you, by chance, know really what the, what is that quality? What is the thing that makes somebody? how you know that they're the type of person that is going to put it all in. Was there something that you did for in front of your mom that made her know that you were going to do that? Just curious if you have an answer to that. Uh, that's a, that's a very good kind of introspective question. Uh, I would say, I think with, with everything I've done, I've just had a passion for being good at it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to mess around with just being mediocre at anything. Um, and I guess it just, it boils down to one word, it's commitment and committing to something. And that's something that I, I guess, in the other sense, it's good to know when you don't like something, like the pre-med. So earlier you mentioned that it was about five years ago that you joined your company. Is that right? Yep. So tell me, what is your role in, what was the name of the LGC? LDG development. LDG. Got it. Okay. What, what's your role in LDG? In, in a nutshell, I tell people, I'm like, my job is to get everybody else to do their job. I go from finding the land, because we're typically doing new construction, partnering with brokers, partnering with, uh, we also do quite a bit of entitlement. Uh, we do a lot of rezonings because a lot, there's a lot of multifamily developers out there who are taking up all the zoned land. So you have to go in and zone land. Uh, we're doing the politics. I'm working with council members, with the mayor's office, even all the way up to like state reps and state senators to try to get political support because, you know, there's, there's two things in development. There's one, there's the entitlements and, the, and getting everything approved. But then also we're doing affordable and workforce, which has this negative stigma that makes it, you know, almost twice as hard or 10 times harder to convince people say, hey, this is actually a really good thing. And it really does support the backbone of your community because these are people working at Starbucks or working, you know, at the fire firehouse or the police officers or teachers and people serving the whole community. And you need to provide them with quality and affordable housing. But everybody thinks of Section 8. They think of the 60s products that were poorly built. And that's what they associate with. So it's almost like I have to you know, show them why this is really, really a problem that needs to be solved and then also get the entitlements because in general, people just don't like new development. How do so, you show, how do you show them that it's a problem that needs to be solved? Is that a pitch deck? What, what's your strategy to showing that? It's, it's different for every city. It's different for every council member. It's different for every mayor. Um, and I say that because I have some cities where, 
they they will literally like open up you know open up the floodgates to whatever we need help with they will get it done for us you know because they understand i think i think it comes down to when city officials personally or you know anecdotally see the impact of not having enough affordable housing where they say okay well supply is obviously not meeting demand because i have a a sister or a cousin or a friend or you know my assistant even can't afford to live in the city and they have to drive you know two three counties away just to be able to afford a place and and then at that point if they get sick or whatnot like just the impact that that has that personal impact i think is probably one of the most powerful ways and then really just the you know going over the needs of communities and housing is more and more often today as a hot ticket item for something that really does impact all facets of the community, the less opportunity you have for housing for middle to lower income people, the, the, you know, the bigger drain that's going to put on your economy. So when you have all these cities and counties and states that are looking at, you know, how can we have the best economy? How can we take advantage of this hot economy right now? They're honestly taking a good hard look at affordable housing. And then you have, you know, don't want to get on too much of a tangent, but I think about Amazon and they're actually, you know, their HQ2 talk is spurring even more people talking about affordable housing because Seattle has such a crazy problem with affordable housing with, you know, Amazon and uh, Microsoft and other companies there. So it, it's in a way, it may be a good thing that it's getting more and more people to talk about it. I have a few questions. One is, first off, can you just tell me what is a tax credit? Can you define it really how you're utilizing a tax credit to build these? Yeah, so tax credits, in essence, it's called the low income housing tax credit, the affordable housing tax credit. And what it does is it helps subsidize the just the cost of construction. It doesn't subsidize the rent but it subsidizes the cost of construction so that way the development will be awarded tax credits and then the development or developer will go out to the market and find banks that are required to invest in tax credits because every bank is required to invest in every part of their footprint, including the lower income neighborhoods. So all banks are required to do this and if they ever wanna expand or buy other banks, they look at their CRA score, which is their Community Reinvestment Act score. So uh, banks, are, banks are highly motivated to invest in these tax credits based on expansion and, and having good standing. So we, in turn, sell the credits to the bank investors. And then from there, um, that helps cover part of the construction costs, usually 30 to 40% on the deals we do. Um, there's different types of tax credits, but we could go on and on about that. But we usually cover 30 to 40% of the cost with tax credits. It's, it's almost, it's like an exchange for equity. And so we sell that, we get the equity, and then the rest we cover with roughly 50 to 60% of mortgage. And then the last remaining 5 to 10%, either developer equity or some funds from the city or state government. Do you ever syndicate? So the tax credits can be syndicated. They typically are syndicated. Uh, so we work with syndication partners that have, you know, bank partners all over the country and they'll create like a syndication fund for deals all over the country and we'll be a part of that. 
or there will be one-off direct investors where a bank will have a, a very large need in one city or one market and we'll have one bank take the full equity. That was actually more interesting than I expected it to be on tax credits. Um, is there two things that you would share with somebody that really wanted to get into doing what you're doing so that they can get in and start networking with the right people or utilizing these tax credits? On the, on the tax credit side, I would say the biggest piece of advice that I can say is just, is just get yourself educated. Like uh, tax credits and affordable housing are probably one of the most nuanced forms of finance and forms of, you know, multifamily development that there is. Um, it's just really, really unique and there's a lot of rules. Uh, so I would suggest on your first deal, trying to find a, an ex experienced partner, you know, like me, I, I found a partner and I ended up working for them. Um, but I would say find a partner who's done it before. That's going to be your best bet and, and really learn from state housing agencies. They typically uh, on the state level, they control the federal tax credits. So they're going to be the ones that will be able to answer a lot of your questions. They'll be willing to help people out too. Uh, so I'd find a partner and learn from state housing agencies and get educated. All right. The next question I have is on entitlement and rezoning. Um, entitlement is not a word that everybody knows. You absolutely do know. You use this all the time. But if you could kind of just define what's entitlement and rezoning. Right. So entitlement and rezoning are in essence the you're you're going working with the city to make sure that you have everything in place to be able to build or do whatever it is you want to do on your property. Because a lot of people think, you know, as long as it's zoned, I can build whatever I want. Well, first off, getting it zoned is all, always a big hurdle. Um, rezonings are very hard. You need to involve the, the city council, the community. Uh, you need to do community meetings and there's a, usually a lot of give and take and a lot of negotiation that has to go on. Uh, and then also you're looking at, you know, there's easements or, you know, certain, certain hurdles that you have to get through with planning, with codes. Um, and then even entitlements could be also be wrapped into permits, uh, which is where you are submitting plans for your development on the civil, the site side, when you're building out on the site, and then also the building side, the permits to build the building, they have to be thoroughly inspected. And that usually takes quite an extensive process for both rezoning and permitting. Got it, got it. All right, so there's one other question that I really wanted to talk to you about before we got into the final five. And that's just because you're really good at social media. So. I wanted to find out what's your strategy behind social media and how are you executing it? Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Adam. Uh, I would say the biggest thing that's worked for me is, is being active on there, not from a, not from a uh, you know, leisurely standpoint, but from actually like reaching out to people. I, I've learned this actually from people a lot younger than me. Uh, someone that I've learned from a little bit is, is uh, Casey Adams, who's, I think he's only 18 years old right now. And he's got 250,000 followers on Instagram and a huge following. And so I've just heard is like, he literally direct messages people all day, every day, because, you know, it's, it's kind of like a numbers game where you can reach out to and grow your network and grow your, your following or, or, you know, whatever it is you're trying to sell or service or partnership, 
And even beyond that, like you and I have both have podcasts is you can reach out to guests and you have direct access to their pocket. Um, so I've had, I've had some pretty good success with that of just reaching out to people that maybe weren't, you know, at my level, they were a few levels above me and just having access to that. But really it just comes down to, to being on there actively and, and reaching out to people consistently and constantly. Um, and then as far as posting, just know who your audience is and be true to yourself. I love that. That that's all really good advice. And you, you mentioned the podcast and you mentioned being able to reach out to other people to that, that might even be above your level currently. And it, it, my podcast has really helped me grow my network. They say your network is your net worth. And when you have a podcast, you automatically elevate your network. So definitely would want to mention that to anybody who was considering doing a podcast. And it's time to get into the final five, but we have a quick break. We'll be right back. This episode of the Creative Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by both you and brought to you by the show itself. And we just wanted to say thank you, Jason. I really appreciate having you as a listener. And we have an ask. We've got a quick ask. If you have uh, been listening to the show for a little while, you love the show, and you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and a review, I just wanted to ask to see if you wouldn't mind uh, going into iTunes and doing a written review as well as a rating. Um, so that's our only ask. Let's get back to the show. I'm excited about the final five with you, Evan. So let's see, what's your most creative deal? I would say it has to be uh, a deal we completed about two years ago in Nashville uh, where we actually, we got a pilot, which is a payment in lieu of tax, which is a tax abatement. And we got the very first pilot in the city of Nashville. We had to go all the way to the um, state legislative office, you know, the state House of Representatives and uh, state senator's office to get this approved. Um, it took almost four years, uh, but we were able to get it done. And now it's being used as a tool to do a lot more affordable housing in Nashville. So that was very exciting. We could probably go on for that for hours, but that's the short and sweet version. Uh, how about, can you give me one more minute on the pilot program and how you made it work instead yeah, so, of, instead of hours? <laughs> All right. One minute. So really the, the, it's interesting in Tennessee, they tax you on your tax credits. So you're almost getting double taxed. You taxed on your NOI and your tax credits, which kind of is counterintuitive to affordable housing. Uh, but because of that, our numbers really just didn't pencil out. And so we, had the full support of the mayor's office and the housing authority and the, you know, the city council. And that's where it comes back to like, if you had that support, you know, they can move mountains for you. And so they actually reached out to the state legislative office because we had to get an ordinance changed at the state level to even allow the city of Nashville to do a pilot. So because cool. of that, we had to get their support and get that done. It, it made the project go on about two years longer than we thought it would, but it was well worth it. Still profitable then? Yes. What's a book you recommend? A book I actually just completed. Uh, it, it really, I don't know, it, it kind of shifts the way you think about marketing and just the way you think about um, networking or connecting with people and sharing your message is called This Is Marketing. And, uh, and it's by um, Seth Godin. Almost forgot his name. Seth Godin, um, awesome author. That was the first book I've read of his book. 
books, but uh, highly recommend it. It really just shifts your viewpoint on everything. Perfect. So let's paint the picture, what it looked like with you five years ago. Where were you five years ago? Well, uh, I was just getting started at LDG. I was new to development. I was new to tax credits. I was new to real estate in general um, in the sense that, you know, on a larger scale. And I was really just trying to get my teeth wet and trying to learn and soak up everything I could. And I really wasn't actually doing development as much as I was just trying to, you know, get the foundation in place. Um, And so it really took at LDG, it took two years to get my first deal going because development just takes so long to build networks and build all the pre-development in for a deal. So that's when I was really getting started. Inspiring. I like that. So let's just talk about uh, what do you envision happening for you in five years? What, where will you be in five years? Uh, in five years, I see myself really, you know, building out a team where, you know, we're doing more than just Tennessee and Louisiana and being able to make an even bigger impact. I think this year we're on target. Uh, The last five years, we've done over a thousand units with my team. And I think this year alone, I think we're shooting for a thousand units. So that's really what we're trying to scale up is, is really kind of 10X our production and really grow a team so I can help teach other people how to do development. And we can do it in a lot more places and make an even bigger impact. Nice, how do you give back? Uh, there's a few different ways, but one of the biggest ways that I've found to give back, or I guess two ways that I've found to give back is, is, um, I have in the past been a part of a mentorship program where we help, uh, young entrepreneurs. It's similar to, to junior achievement. It's called the, uh, young entrepreneurs council. And we help, um, literally middle school to high schoolers start businesses and they give pitches to, you know, a panel of quote unquote venture capitalists, you know, people that are judging them. And, and so it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've coached a few kids through that program and uh, some of them have even gone on to the national program. So it's been a lot of fun just helping get them started on their entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. sounds rewarding. I like that. Hey, how do people find you? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah. So the, the number one way would be the monumental podcast uh, that's on any platform for podcasts and then also our website uh evanholiday.com and then i'm on twitter instagram i'm biggest on instagram so uh go hit me up on a dm and we'll start chatting perfect all right you heard it so go listen to the monumental podcast if you're listening to this podcast i guarantee you can find it and or you can go to evanholiday.com or find him on Insta and send him a direct message. Thanks for being on the show. And until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.